Welcome back to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts for today, Kathy and Karen. Today, we are discussing episode 55 and part one of episode 56 of the story of Yanxi Palace or Yanxi Gonglue. This podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain phrases spoken in Mandarin Chinese. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter or else email us at karenandkathy at chasingdramas.com. This podcast episode consists of a drama episode recap and then we will move on to discuss the history portrayed in these episodes. In the last episode... Our main character, Wei Yingluo, found out about the truth of who or what caused the late Empress Fu Cha to actually take that leap to her death, in that it was instigated by the despicable Xi Tala Er Qing. Without much second thought, Yingluo straight up organizes Er Qing's death. No one is upset about it, at least not as viewers. And only really the emperor is quite displeased at Yingluo's rash actions. Reason being that Erqing's death reminded the emperor of his shameful act in uh, actually sleeping with Erqing and fathering a son with her. He hid this fact from the late Empress Fu Cha, and he didn't really have much mental capacity to think about this further, but now it is kind of eating him up inside. Eh, somewhat. He takes a break with a horseback ride out in the forest somewhere with a huge entourage to boot. Side note again, I'm really pleased to see Nie Yuan actually uh, riding on horseback by himself because he's been on horseback in many dramas for the last 20 plus years. In front of the Imperial Guard Hai Lan Cha, the emperor recognizes that Rong Yin, his late empress Fu Cha, was not capable of being the empress he needed by his side. And he even says that uh, death might have been the best escape for her. To me, this episode really reflects the difficult position the emperor is in, but with the power that he holds, we are reminded of his inherent selfishness. In this introspection that he has, the emperor holds his position as emperor above all else. Despite his love for Rongyin, he is still disappointed that she couldn't live up to the expectations that came with the role of Empress. And I feel like he was not super understanding of why she was struggling so much as Empress. I personally really like how you said inherent selfishness. I spent this entire episode getting annoyed at the Emperor because his whole excuse was, I am the Emperor. I am supposed to be heartless or wuxing in Chinese. And he's like, I expect my wife, the empress, to be heartless as well. And then he goes on to say she was too emotional and unfit to be empress. I watched that scene and I was like, buddy, you can't have your cake and eat it too. This is exactly why you preferred Empress Fu Cha in the first place. But at least finally, we have a male character be introspective of the harm that he caused to his wife. We never got that in Empresses in the Palace. The Emperor in that drama was just, I am the center of the universe and screw all of these women, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Ying 
Nicola's position continued to look precarious as the emperor neglected to visit her for several days. But it takes a turn for the way worse when her trusted friend, the imperial doctor Ye Tianshi, is embroiled in a scandal. So recall a couple of episodes ago, Ye Tianshi had noted that various ingredients for medicinal purposes were being wasted in the palace. Yuan Chun Wang, we'll talk about him a lot later, had volunteered to help sell the leftover ingredients outside of the palace, and the funds could be used to help procure more ingredients in the palace. But the transactions turned into a black market as extremely valuable medicinal ingredients were being smuggled out of the palace as well. Ye Tianshi became the fall guy, and he was apprehended for participating in this racket. What is worse, though, is that through investigating Ye Tianshi and his prescriptions for Yingluo, the Empress Nala discovered an important secret. She requested the Empress' presence in hearing what the secret was. Turns out, Yingluo has been taking a contraceptive tonic ever since she came to the palace and became the emperor's concubine. The emperor, upon hearing this, storms out of the empress's palace and makes his way over to Yingluo's Yanxigong. And definitely note, the empress is not surprised by this reaction whatsoever. In front of Yingluo, the emperor unleashes his anger at her. He point-blank recounts her entire reason for being in the palace. She wanted to take revenge against Chun Guifei to avenge the late empress all the way back at the Summer Palace or Yuan Mingyuan, and to do so, she had to become his concubine. She worked her way up the ladder and garnered his favor in order to have the power to match and take down Chun Guifei. Ying Luo does not deny any of this and even reiterates herself that now she has enacted her revenge, the emperor really has no value to her anymore. She does not need to fawn over him at all. The Emperor. I thought Nian did a pretty good job in this scene, is absolutely furious at hearing this. And finding out that she was using a contraceptive tonic, this, I think, pushes him over the edge. Because to him, it means that she does not care about him at all. Every woman in the palace wants to have his child, and she, the person that he has put so much favor and effort in, is the only person to not want his child. He, in his mind, was being used as a pawn for Yingluo's own goals, and this is something he cannot take. They also didn't say this in the drama, and maybe, this is my speculation, maybe the emperor's also like, wait, if Yingluo doesn't want my child, is she still secretly holding out hope for Fu Hong? Well, in this scene, Yingluo pushes back by raising the example of how he continued to use the late Empress Fu Cha even after her death, in the sense that after her funeral or during her funeral, he punished a lot of the aristocracy and a lot of court ministers, to which he responds that he is the emperor. The late Empress needed to be useful to him in her full capacity, even in death. And this goes back to what I was saying before. He was like, I expect my wife to be also heartless to be Empress. And I'm like, mm, here I am very much siding with Wei Yingluo. Well, with that, he calmly but angrily tells Yingluo she will not be needing the medicine anymore and walks out. Whenever I see
see this scene, I actually am like, yes, girl, Wei Ying Luo, you tell him because the emperor is like, how dare you use me? And she pushes back and says, uh, wow, how does it feel to be used? Because we all know the emperor uses the women around him and pretty much uses everyone around him for his purposes. So for the emperor in this drama to actually get a taste of his own medicine and recognize it, I think is really important. In other palace dramas like Jin Huan Zhen, for example, the women towards the end of the drama were certainly playing the, em- uh, playing the emperor, but he did not recognize it, at least until his deathbed. So we have that the cat's out of the bag. And I will say at least these two, the emperor and Ying Luo, were able to be very clear about each other's motives. For me, I'm just glad that Ying Luo was able to avenge the late empress before this fallout, because otherwise we wouldn't have had a drama. The person best able to profit off of this ginormous fallout, the empress Na La. She comes in to speak to the emperor in his anguished state in his office as a calming and loving figure, just what he needs in his moment of rejection from Ying Luo. She plays up the whole role of, I have been here all along. Sure enough, the emperor eats it up and the empress immediately garners favor. Ying Luo is not fooled with what her position is now in the palace. She recognized that her place is mostly just going to be a cold palace or Gong from now on, since she will no longer have the favor of the emperor. Not only that, though, is she's not willing to fight for favor from the emperor. She dismisses her servants, but a few loyal ones remain, which include Chen Zhu, Xiao Quanzi, Ming Yu, and Yuan Chunwang. But before we close out episode 55, Ying Luo actually drags Yuan Chunwang to meet the Empress, Na La. There, the masks come off. Ying Luo respects the Empress for being the person behind the scenes that orchestrated everything without ever getting blood on her own hands. The news about Erting's betrayal? planted by the Empress, the discovery about Ying Luo's birth control medicine, revealed by the Empress. Ying Luo recognizes that the Empress is a formidable foe, but the other revelation here is that Yuan Chunwang had betrayed Ying Luo. It was apparently rather obvious to Ying Luo because Yuan Chunwang was the only one to know about her medicine with Ye Tianshi. He must have told the Empress in order to bring about Ying Luo's downfall. And it was Yuan Chunwang who orchestrated the scam that brought down Ye Tianshi as well. Moving on to episode 56, Yuan Chunwang does not deny this. Instead, he claims that it was Ying Luo who deserved all of this because she was the one who betrayed him first. I feel like he comes off as like manic in these couple of episodes. Yeah, absolutely overly controlling. His voice ever since he, his tone of voice ever since he returned from the palace to Yuan Mingyuan is very um, subtly aggressive and very sarcastic, actually. And so you can see the tone of how he has changed uh, back in Zijingcheng or the Imperial Palace versus how he was in Yuan Mingyuan. So if you recall, Several episodes ago, when both of them were in Yuan Mingyuan, she basically swore to him that they will always be together in Yuan Mingyuan. And if you'll recall, I remember saying that that was like a really kind of creepy vow that he made her take. 
And now, well, I guess she broke this vow. So he is, you know, this is for him payback. So now a new status quo is set. The Empress Nala has eliminated literally every threat to her in the palace, and she now has the sole favor of the Emperor. Yuan Chunwang, for his contribution to the Empress, will be the new head of the Imperial Household Department, a pretty big promotion. Ying Luo, in turn, is now out of favor and currently has no prospects of ever reclaiming the Emperor's attention. As we can guess and have seen in prior episodes and dramas, a woman in the palace with no favor is at the bottom of the totem pole. Mingyu is openly bullied by Shu Pin and humiliated by her. At least Hailan Cha, the very sweet Hailan Cha, was able to step in to protect her, but the situation in Yan Xiugong does not look great. Though Ying Luo, Chen Zhu, Xiao Quanzi, and Mingyu basically make up a small family unit that stick together even in their current state. And what a great guy that Hailan Cha is. He reports to the emperor in his office one day about Fu Hung's current military campaigns. They are off fighting with the Huolan tribe, who have actually sent an envoy to discuss peace talks. Hailan Cha then just raised the words Yan Xigong, but was roundly criticized by the emperor for his impertinence and punished quite harshly. Keep in mind the Huolan tribe that we discussed here because they will come into play later. After hearing all of this, for Yinglo's part, she recognized that while she does not necessarily care for favor right now, the people around her are getting hurt because of her lack of favor. Especially with Shu Pin humiliating Mingyu. Outside of the Empress, it is Shu Pin who has, I guess, attracted the most amount of attention or favor from the emperor in the last couple of days. So, Ying Luo takes a leaf out of Shen Meizhuang's book from Zhen Huan Zhuan, where Empress is in the palace, and turns to the Empress Dowager. Gaining favor and protection from the Empress Dowager is pretty much the only way Ying Luo can survive in the palace. We have seen in the past that the Empress Dowager likes Ying Luo greatly, and right now, Ying Luo has even decided to write Buddhist texts for the Empress Dowager using her own blood as a way to show her devotion and dedication to the Buddha. This shocks both Shu Pin and Qin Guiren, who visit the Empress Dowager and find out that Ying Luo has been spending significant time with the Empress Dowager. We'll wrap up the episode recap here after we see Ying Luo confront Shu Pin and even slap her across the face as, I guess, retaliation against Shu Pin's actions against Mingyu earlier on. After all, Ying Luo is still Ling Fei, a higher title than Shu Pin. And Ying Luo will not allow Shu Pin to treat Mingyu with such disrespect. I mean, you can take the revenge out of Ying Luo, but you cannot take the eye for an eye mentality away from her. We will talk about uh, Yuan Chunwang's crazy actions against the old head of the uh, Imperial Household Department in the next episode and the rest of episode 56 in our next podcast episode. So today's episode content was pretty heavy on the plot with all the backstabbing from all sides. We got Wei Yingluo being backstabbed or betrayed by Yuan Chunwang. He's such a creep. Then there's the emperor feeling betrayed by Wei Yingluo. But then Wei Yingluo rightly pointed out that he was the one who betrayed the empress. 
That one, I might give a pass simply because it was Erting who instigated the whole thing. But this whole episode was all about backstabbing and who felt rightly um, betrayed. So moving on to history, we only have two topics to discuss for today. The first is, of course, Shu Bei Fu. I briefly mentioned this piece when we talked about the Empress's death in episode 40. Shu Bei Fu, or my translation as Rhapsody of Grief, is a piece that Emperor Qianlong wrote in remembrance of his wife during the first 100 days of mourning. This means that he wrote the roughly 550-word Rhapsody in 1748. Out of the tens of thousands of poems that Emperor Tianlong wrote, this one ranks pretty highly amongst his work for how emotional and raw it is. To the point where this particular rhapsody was also included in the Qing Shi Gao, or draft history of Qing as a historical anthology and encyclopedia of the Qing dynasty. In the drama, Wei Yingluo only says four lines, and these are the four lines she says. The first two lines come from the beginning of the rhapsody, while the last two come from the end. I'll provide the full lines for both and then translate. The first section goes as such. So here's my translation. Why is it that the first chapter of Yi Jing, which can be translated to Book of Changes or Classic of Changes, which is an ancient Chinese divination text, begins with Qianquan or Heaven and Earth. Why is it that the first chapter of the Book of Songs or Shi Jing begins with Yong Guan Ju, which is about the meeting between man and woman? That's because man and wife are the start of everything human. Only the Heaven and Earth of Qianquan is comparable. I was married to my wife, the late empress, for 22 years. I am in so much pain. One evening, I have forever said goodbye to her. From now on, we are separated by two realms, never to hear from each other. The second or last lines of the Rhapsody goes as such. So here's the translation. My heart feels empty. Life and death seem but a fleeting moment. I have lost this most virtuous empress. Who will walk with me on this road of life? The years will be the same. Every day I think of you. I have come back to the Changchun Palace. This palace is quiet. The phoenix bed is empty. The spring wind has passed, but the beauty is no longer here. The spring flowers and fall moon have passed. When will the summer sun and winter nights come again? See, overall, 
It's a very touching rhapsody. I quite like these lines because we really get a glimpse of the emperor's grief at the death of his wife. He essentially compares his marriage to heaven and earth and that no one comes even close to the late empress. We talked about this before, but the emperor wrote many poems later on in his life reminiscing the virtues of his late wife. In those instances, I kind of feel bad for Empress Nala because she literally cannot compete. However, in this drama, I don't think she really cares right now. She knows how to play the long game with the emperor, which leads me to the next poem. The poem is called Gong Zhong Ci. It goes as such. Ji ji hua shi bi yuan men, mei ren xiang bing li chong xuan. Han qing yu shuo gong zhong shi, ying wu qian tou bu gan yan. The translation is as such. The flowers bloom, but the palace doors are tightly shut. There are two beautiful palace maids sitting together at the veranda enjoying the sight. They have much to talk about and want to share their woes in the palace. But in front of the parrot, no one dares share anything. In this poem, essentially two women want to gossip or complain about what they're worried about in the palace, but they can't say anything because they are worried that the parrot will learn something and repeat it. This poem was written by the Tang Dynasty poet Zhu Qingyu. Now, it isn't clear when he was born or when he died, but we do know that he passed his imperial entrance exams as a Jin Shi in 826 AD and became a court official. Two of his poems are recorded in Quan Tang Shi, the largest collection of Tang poetry, containing some 49 thousand lyric poems by more than 2,200 poets. So to me, the Empress here is very clever to have written this poem. I don't know how she planned it or if it was just pure luck that the Emperor found this exact poem, but this particular poem, along with the real parrot, immediately had the Emperor thinking, hmm, what does the Empress want to say, but she cannot? This poem immediately, at least in the mind of the emperor, changes his picture of Empress Nala. Now, Empress Nala is a woman who loves her husband dearly, but is perhaps too shy to really share her feelings with him. The emperor even states, I thought you were only a woman of responsibility. The emperor, who just came back from being very dejected about hearing Yingluo's sole purpose in returning to the palace had nothing to do with him, but for revenge uh, and also his guilt towards the late Empress Fu Cha, turns his attentions towards Empress Nala as a woman. The two lines, Han Qing Yu Shuo Gong Zhong Shi, Ying Wu Qian Tou Bu Gan Yan, give the hint to the emperor that Empress Nala has perhaps woes of love towards him that she never shared. Uh, after this whole scene, he, of course, gives all of his attention to her. Ugh, he is such a tizi, which we haven't talked about that phrase in a while, but it just means pig's feet or a philanderer. And yeah, he was just rejected by Yingluo and immediately turns to the embrace of the other ladies in the harem. Ugh, what a privilege to be a guy, right? <laughs> Yes, I know. I agree. Emperor, you're a Dao Zhu teaser right now, and I don't like you very much after these two episodes. 
Well, that is it from a history perspective. We'll have to see in the next coming episodes how does Ying Luo turn the tables or does she want to? Thank you so much for listening today. If you are looking for sites to watch dramas and you are in the U.S., head over to our sponsor, Jubao TV. That's J-U-B-A-O TV. It's a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch. They recently have launched on Plex. Again, all of this is free. Thank you so much, and we will catch you all in the next podcast episode. <laughs>